Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to One More Take Podcast. I'm Jesse Kettman. With me is Jeff Casino and Alex Aber, And we're picking up right where we left off with the uh, two films from Bong Joon-ho. We just talked about um, The Host, and now we're going to delve into Parasite. Uh, before we do, I just wanted to make a quick note uh, about the sort of technical element of this podcast. Um, we are recording remotely from each other and audio only. So if sometimes it seems like maybe we don't have like context for, for visual cues, like we can't see when each other is talking or about to talk or wants to talk or things of that nature. Just wanted to lay that out there. Um, I'm sure there are moments where we're going to talk over each other, but the more we do this, the more it'll smooth itself out. And uh, just want you to be aware of that. Um, but yeah, I think in that whole last conversation, I could tell we were all itching to talk about Parasite. <laughs> um, so Alex, oh, yes. you want to lead us off? What What is Parasite? Oh, definitely. So um, welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming back and listening. Um, it's basically, if we want to put it in a really small phrase, is a magical realist almost tale of social class in south korea and that's really watered down so basically i'll just give you the plot of what happens um we start off with this family that is extremely not destitute um but poor they live in this thing that they call a semi-basement and what they lack in wealth, they make up for in mental acumen and just chops when it comes to dealing with people of all levels of social class. Um, they have a certain panache about them, each member of the family, when they deal with each other and when they deal with people in society. And what slowly starts is a very slight opportunity to make some money for the family in a very pure and genuine sense of helping out a friend turns into a like a parasite this giant just mass and beast of a plan or of a scheme um so what the family tries to do introducing them they'll be it's the kim family the son the oldest son of the family i'm really bad with the names so forgive me with that but the oldest son sun kyun lee is the actor Park Dong. He is. Oh no, excuse me, I'm getting that wrong. See, this is why, in my explanation for uh, the host, I just didn't bother. <laughs> yeah. I'll just not even screw the names. We all know who the parts are. <laughs> Anyways, the son becomes a tutor in English for uh, the daughter. And he realizes that the uh, madam, as they call her, the woman of the house, the mother, is very, she's very nice. She's very almost simple is the word that they use. And he decides to slowly gauge the needs of the family based on domestic health. Things like tutoring the youngest son in art, driving the husband to and from his fancy business job. And someone is a housekeeper to keep up the house. Uh, he starts to install and replace all of these people with the help of his family. And yeah, I mean, 
is there more to say like did you do you want me to finish out the entire no i mean that's that's like that's a general that's a generally like a pretty good pretty good yeah it's it's replete with tension and and weird um motivations and yeah, Everything I, mean, I just said is a every, spring, right? And it will just explode into discussion because there's no way that this situation doesn't just start to get wild. Yeah, the movie is. Yeah, too... it has a. I mean, from here on out, it's spoiler territory, everyone. Um, <laughs> I should have said that in the last episode before I explained the entire plot, but hey, um, it is what it is. Yeah, um, it's but yeah, more the technical watch, details. Like, sorry, go ahead. Watch the film. <laughs> is what I was gonna say. Just, just watch it. It's, it's. I think we all agree that this is a masterpiece. I don't it's know if like, I even need to mention also that it, it won Best Picture, which um, is which is Academy crazy. Awards. Yeah, that really like, is what 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 is I guess setting it in a different tone than just a great Korean film. This one was good enough for everyone to really gain. A very strong recognition, not just from the academy, but from all areas of, you know, awards. Yeah, I was joking with Jeff earlier that this is not your typical Oscar movie. You know, this is not a 1990s movie starring Tom Hanks. This is a desperately <laughs> uncomfortable psychological thriller. It's like the best movie that Hitchcock never made because he's dead and not Korean. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. It traffics in everything that made Hit- Hitchcock great. You I... you are indul- you indulge in everything that makes a film a thriller and not a horror or not a monster film. If that if that makes sense to you too. Um, yeah, well, the way a, that I it's see a it. Beautiful contrast. Yeah, with I mean, I film. after seeing so many movies that I have, it takes a lot for me to sort of put down my my critic goggles you know like it takes a lot for me to feel desperately uncomfortable during a film but in this movie i was at interns like huddled up in my chair with my legs to my chest or like pacing nervously around the room while watching it like i almost didn't want to finish it which is which is not any comment on its quality it is immaculately made down to the like shot composition, musical choices, um, score, um, mm-hmm. Hitchcockian motifs. There's a big element of people looking through windows and stairs. Yeah, so um, I'd like to chime in. Yeah, I am. Um, and my apologies to people listening. I was muted in Discord, so it sounds like everyone was talking over me, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd like to touch on that. Is there's a definite um, theme of elevation in this oh, yeah. movie, and not just in social elevation, but physical elevation. So camera angles are shot at low and high angles, depending on who's talking, who's being represented at the time. So usually when the, um, the I think they're called the key family, um, which are the protagonist family, the, the family that lives in the sub-basement, the poor family, we could, we could break it down to simple terms of the poor family and the rich family, but I'll try to avoid that. But uh, the lower class family is definitely sh- uh, shot at low angles. They live in a sub-basement. 
They're looking out windows to the street level in which people are urinating on their street. Which essentially, they're being pissed on. Um, there's definitely elements of of elevation. And then when we're talking about the richer family, the higher class family, they kind of live in this house that's up a staircase. Very much uh, lots of escalation walking up staircases. Staircase in the house that's very featured. And I don't know if that was noticed by everyone, but there's a lot of um, shots, a lot of wide shots focused on that staircase. Either people listening from it or ascending and descending it. And then, of course, there's the staircase into the pantry, which we'll get to a little later, which plays another significant role. But I definitely agree with the Hitchcock reference. I felt like this was like Hitchcock with a, on uppers. Like there was definitely... Um, a mix of his fast and slow style, mix of his slow storytelling style with a little bit more modern twist. And, you know, we just spoke about the host, which like we were talking about was Bong Joon's kind of first creative control picture. And now we get to Parasite, which is really just a full manifestation of all the ideals that you could see him toying with the host. Uh, yeah, we talked ways. about yeah, social commentary. This is all about social commentary. Like, the sort of triple nature of the title, um, where it's yeah. like, who is the parasite kind of thing, where it's like, is it the lower class who are invading this home in order to leech off of them? It is, is it the upper class family who literally turns their nose at the lower classes, or is it the man in the basement? Yeah, and there's definitely... It's all of them. Yeah, it's all, well, that's the point, is that there's this severe disparity between the class system in South Korea and obviously we're not in any way uh South Korean economists or political majors <laughs> political science majors like we don't Wait, we're not? <laughs> no, but uh, we we understand social inequality. This is America. Yeah, so there is a a level of um shared understanding between this very mm-hmm. large class divide, which I think is really why this movie appealed to the mass American audience or Western audience and why it was given the accolades through the Oscars that it was, is because of the fact that this is a highly translatable uh, subject matter. Even, even, say... if you, even if you're not seeing it that way, sorry, Alex, once no, one you're moment, good. my friend. Um, even if you don't see it that way, like I, I wouldn't think that... Like, I would think that a lot of audiences will see it that way, but some definitely don't. But I think it, it functions just as well as, like, a pure thriller, even if you're not picking up on, like, the thematic undercurrent there. Oh, totally. Um, which is a testament to, like, just how tight and taut and, well, thrilling this movie is. Yeah, it definitely elicits a particular type of emotional response. It's tension, I mean... Talk about the ability to build and and not only build tension, but then reward the build. Sometimes people build tension, and then it's a, it, it doesn't go anywhere. So you feel tense, and then there's no release. Uh, in particular, I, I I mentioned the scene with the um, well, basically, you know, as Alex said, this the main character, um, his name is a uh, Wook Sik Choi. His name is Ki Woo. He's mm-hmm told by a friend that he tutors in English a young girl who were, who lives with a uh, who's the daughter of a very rich family and he gives his 
his friend who hasn't gone to university and while this this tutor is in university is it's almost like a, a hand-me-down he's saying like hey you're my friend but there is a level of being below him and there's a level of um while he is a friend he does look down on the family because they in the beginning he brings them a stone um a piece of geological kind of sample that's supposed oh, to we will we will talk about that stone. <laughs> uh, very, that's... it's very metaphorical yeah that's supposed so to bring wealth. he says yeah I know. so that's... metaphorical yeah <laughs> that it brings it's supposed to bring wealth to the family and it and in a way it does but not in the way that they see so you know you're getting this job he very cleverly i mean these these it's not to be said that these this family has has been able to develop a certain set of skills because of the social place that they're in they have this is not a they're not bad people they're not con artists because they're they're inherently scummy or want to scam people it is because of the situation they live they literally cannot eat and we see a scene where they're folding pizza boxes in order to make ends meet and even the younger owner of this company this pizza company is overly critical of them docks their pay and we see there's a really great scene where he's trying to get that job from the pizza girl and they they all crowd her. And I mm -hmm. think that's a very like well done scene where it's kind of showing that they all have this kind of leech like nature to them where they all kind of work in this harmony, much like a parasite to, to gain some type of leverage over somebody. And I think that was a very important establishing shot. So yeah. Alex, you were going to speak when I interrupted you. Yeah. Oh, I, w I was going to say that um, the scene where he's he's speaking to his friend, he plays, his name is Key, right? Yep. Key he, he plays a very, he almost like proceeds or regresses into this personality that his friend expects him to be, right? He's very docile and he's very like, the idea that his friend chooses him because he poses no sexual threat is where I think the movie begins its linchpin of just, I don't want to say anger or revenge, but this kind of like sullying of yep. what you would say is the upper class. You see it in his face. You see it in like, even before he meets the, the, the girl that he tutors, um, he is very good at acting. He buttons up his shirt, you know, while he's speaking to the girl for the pizza shop. Um, and I just think that going back to what I was going to say when Jesse was talking about the way that it translated to American um, audiences, I think that you can make an argument if you want to make one of those arguments like, well, the actual main character is blah, blah, blah. But I think the madame or the mother in the Park family, is one of the most Western... Like, it fits so well in this Western trope of what a housewife is. I'm not making any claims about what I think a housewife is or isn't or what they should be, but in this film, when I see her image and her the way that her narrative plays out, I am sucked in instantly because it's like, I know... 
I, I know this culture or this, this this image that you're going at. It's right? an archetype. Exactly. It's, the, like every it's the rich woman that buys everything because she wants the best for her children, but it's in this very sterile way. And only the way that rich people can be so detached from their family. Whereas in, like you said, um, Jeff, they're very close. You almost never see the Park family in physical proximity with each other throughout the entire movie, aside from the madame flitting around the, the husband, the daughter, the son, the housekeeper. Well, also the most erotic scene in cinematic history. Right? Oh, that, what I mean, that scene is like on the couch is where you see that break down a little bit, but... When you look at the, uh, excuse me, the Kim family, look how close they are all the time. When they eat together, they're always drinking like the same drinks or the same like al alcoholic drinks and things like that. But I think that there's something to be said about the social media Instagram mom that we see in the Western society that speaks very well with Madam Park. Is that what I think I'm gonna call her? For the yeah. Rest of the yeah. There's definitely. Well, I mean, let's. I mean, let's talk about something that's very glaring: is the the influence of Western culture on the elite of mm -hmm. South Korea. They definitely um, tend to try to model themselves off of what Americans consider this wealthy Beverly Hills high society type of family, and you see that in the fact that there's a lot of English that spoke spoken by the park family they use little words like relax or uh, phrases uh, yeah exactly they use little english phrases because that's hip and they even liked the fact that their driver before they fired him in order to replace him with the father they loved the fact that they had a young hip driver so this family is very and that the father is uh, a big uh, they never really say what he does but they have a little glimpse of it uh, when you uh, the father of the Kim family is is interviewing with him to be the driver. Uh, it's some kind of tech company. It's part of some kind of new age tech company. And there's a bit of throwaway dialogue when you're seeing it from the from the rich father's perspective. Is uh, people are handing him technology, and he's like, "Oh, is the phone in a Bluetooth integratable? Can it be integrated with cell phones?" So he's very much on the cutting edge of new age technology. So this family lives in this new age world whereas in contrast the uh the park family lives in this new age world where uh in contrast the uh, kim family lives in this almost rural version of korea and it's almost two different time periods that's going on when you look at the streets of the the borough that they live in they're very run down tight alleyways tight quarters they uh, and to speak on the aspect of elevation in the very beginning of the movie, they can't, they don't have, they lose their Wi-Fi, and they mm -hmm. can't use WhatsApp. And WhatsApp, you know, as we know what WhatsApp is, but the fact that they have to use these these secondary third-party apps in order to communicate kind of shows where they are in at this level, and they have to steal Wi-Fi from cafes, and they have to elevate themselves up onto their toilet to get new Wi-Fi from this cafe. So you see them kind of crouching in this small little raised toilet 
and I think it's very metaphorical of like kind of having to slowly creep your way up to gain even the tiniest little thing. That bathroom is hilariously designed. Yeah, it's very yeah. yeah the whole the whole house is kooky. So, so that yeah, brings here. up something I was going to ask both of you then that I think is really important to talk about. Um, while they obviously are positioned as like the protagonists, are we supposed to just hate everybody? I mean, is 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 everybody just a giant asshole in well, this movie? What did you feel when you watched it for the first time? The first time I watched it, I will go to one image, and it's the image of the old housekeeper begging to come back in in the rain. And in that moment, I hated every single person in, in the film, like yeah. besides her, I guess. And then, I mean, obviously, it's revealed that she's been the one to doing it the whole entire time. Yeah. And she, if anything, you know, the elite have their parasitic suckling of the materialistic teat that is like new age capitalism, you know, going around the world. And then you have the poorer family that is the like Robin Hood almost aspect of the movie. But but completely self-centered. Exactly. So it's this idea that, you know, to the we... point of like murder borderline. Oh, yes. So the second time I watch it, I feel almost no, I feel n nothing for anyone. You know, the old housekeeper is just like, she's just riding on the reputation of this old architect that she has to name drop every time she meets someone new. Um, but it's like, I feel no sympathy for anyone in the film aside from, I mean, obviously the kids, whatever. But I'm talking about the characters that we're supposed to care about. For Key. I don't know why, but Key is the one character that I... And it has nothing to do with his romantic nature or anything like that. I just feel... You know, when you think of the adjectives like Wiley and things like that, you think of like a fox or you think of... You think of the tropes that have been put forth, like a, talking about this Robin Hood thing. Like, he's crafty because he needs to... Because he wants to be so he can give back to the poor and do the right thing. But here we have Key being crafty to, quote-unquote, survive or to move socially. You know, and I think that the most important idea of the visual elevation at the beginning of the movie is showing when key is walking through the rich neighborhood to go and find the tutor or to go and find the the house originally and he's walking up 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 yep you see him looking at the paper or for the address or whatever he's looking at at the bottom of the the stairs but it's filmed from the top you know so you see him at the bottom but the camera is positioned at the top of this concrete like kind of pathway that goes up this neighborhood. And then when he gets to the top, it switches and the camera is viewing him from the bottom of where he just was. And I don't see that darkness of visual rep representation of elevation, which Jeff was talking about, which I completely agree with, but I just don't see the starkness with any other character other than Key. And mm -hmm. for the second viewing, that pinned him down into this, like, sympathetic you know role for me regardless of the morality of the things that he did yeah you're definitely it. supposed to feel for him you're definitely supposed to kind of 
empath- I empathize with him in the beginning because he's the original. He's the first one in. He's the mole. He's the one that mm-hmm. creates and the foundation of which everyone else can get. And really, what what we're talking about here is greed, and that is something that we that is very much focused on. Is that it's not about it. It, it doesn't become about survival anymore. Once they get to a certain point where they're all established, he is the the English tutor. His sister is uh, the. Uh, Sorry, the um, art therapy tutor, mother's the housekeeper, father's the driver. So they've now infiltrated every aspect of this family. And so now now you're talking about greed. When the family go away on vacation and they all kind of take ownership of the house. They eat their food, they drink their liquor, they sleep in their beds. They are leaving this realm of of just needing to survive and now going into this greed and this parasitic type of behavior. And that is when you kind of are the flip happens. I think that's supposed to be kind of like the, the, the switch is now you're like, well, these rich folk aren't great. They're not nice, but they haven't done it. They're snobby and kind of shitty, but they, they haven't done anything inherently bad up to this point beyond just right. kind of besides being, being rich, besides just being rich and snobby. So now, mm-hmm. the, now it's flipped because now they're the, the victims. They're being taken advantage of mm-hmm. by this parasitic family. And I really think the daughter uh, of the key, uh, key family, her name is um, Ki Woo. She plays uh, Choi Woo Sik is her mm-hmm. actress. Uh, sorry, no, uh, Park So Dam. It's Ki Jung. She is really the the linchpin of kind of greedy con like nature. Whereas in he's just trying to get a job and he says very earnestly, like, you know, when she forges his university documents, he says, Oh, well, I just feel like I'm printing this out early. I'm still going to go to university and I'm going to earn this. So he has this level of, of regret or at least understanding the morality of what he's doing. But the sister absolutely is void of any type of morality you know the way she kind of she smokes in the fuck in the children's like i mean what i can only assume is like an internet cafe and she's just the way she deals with the parents yes exactly she's very crass and 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 straight and then the way she sets up the driver is just dirty like He's mm-hmm. genuinely a really nice guy, and he's really just trying to be. He might be hitting on her a little bit, which is you know, mm-hmm. but the way she just like she's like oh, and she just like takes her underwear off in the car and stows them away is mm-hmm. so just. It's this ability to instantaneously know how to screw somebody over, whereas in with the main character with Kiwu, he's it takes him a minute. He he has to come to the realization. You know, he's looking at the artwork. He's just there to try to sell himself. And then he sees the artwork. He realizes, oh, and you even see that moment where he's walking in front of the madame. And he has this, like, realization on his face. He's like, oh, I can get, yeah, he smiles and he puts his hand up to his mouth. He's like, I can get my sister in here. And so it's really almost benign in the beginning. And then it becomes more and more parasitic as it goes on. Yeah, the whole film is an escalation. And it, it reaches really insane heights. Um, yeah, you guys have the benefit of seeing this before. I, I saw it for the first time yesterday. And uh, yeah, it was very... It's, 
I'm still synthesizing it. Um, it's interesting to hear your little nuanced takes on things. But apropos characters, I think for me, what it did brilliantly, which is like this the hallmark of a good director, because a lesser film would have completely fallen apart off the back of this, is that you kind of sympathize with everybody, and yet you kind of hate everybody. And somehow that works, and that's very unusual. Well, it's more like, it's more real, if you think about it. Like, nobody is 100% good. There are no good guys and bad guys when you're talking about class. Everybody is either doing what they can to claw their way up, or there's, or a lot of people are either looking down, or if they're not actively looking down, they're at least a lot of the time not doing much to help other people in that position, that lower position. So it's this state of like ignorant neg negligence and this kind of thirst for something more. And these two competing ideals are just bashing against each other. And we don't know really how this family will react if they were to catch the Kim family in this situation. Yet the... The, the lower class family acts as if they would be killed if they were caught because it, that's how important it is for them to keep making money is it's almost like a life or death situation how they hide and how they cower when actually faced with near retribution for their actions i mean they, they i mean with the, the the housekeeper they elicit allergic reactions with her and then set her up in the hospital as having a deadly disease such as tuberculosis in order to get her out. I mean, these are some yeah, there's a really seriously morality underhand. Going on. Oh yeah, it's oh, really yeah. underhanded to do. Like that's not you know pretending to be an English tutor because you're already a smart guy. That is like some really manipulative shit. And so really, what you get now is that it's a steady and like you're saying, Jesse, a steady escalation. A, ri a rising and a change in elevation and we're seeing that just in every single nuanced part of the part of the film and it's it's just so brilliantly well done to a point where as you were saying jesse it's feels so panicked for the lower class family like that scene in particular when they come back early from the vacation and they all have to hide from the family and you do have an incredibly oh, erotic scene. I mean, let's not like cut it. I mean, it made me uncomfortable as like a grown man I who've seen many erotic scenes in movies. I was like very like, wow, this is very real. This feels like a very much like a real couple having an erotic exchange that don't actually touch each other that often. There's some a level of awkwardness to it where they not, don't quite understand each other's bodies as well as they used to. So like it's it's very almost clunky at first and, and almost childish, like two kids fooling around. And while while you have this whole family clustered underneath the couch and there's this just this level of heart wrenching tension going on to where like you get the knots in your stomach the whole time. Yeah. And you don't and you wonder why because it's like not like you're cheering for them. But you just also don't want... It's almost like you're in that spot. Like, you're in that house, and you don't want to be caught because you were rooting for them in the beginning, if that makes sense. I don't know. Sense. You're you're caught You're caught between. Yeah, it's a very interesting... And then just to, like, touch back on the Western influence, you know, you have the son who's obsessed with Native American culture, 
Um, mm-hmm. and But very much the old way we used to view Native American culture, used to calling them Indians, you know, the headdresses and the arrows and the, the very Cormac McCarthy version of, of Native Americans. And you don't have any kind of representation of actually like the modern take on Native American people. So it's it's almost like they're Western influence, but it's dated. It's like 80s Hollywood that they're stuck in and everybody else is like in current 2019 time of the filming of the movie. It's funny you say that. Like I've been watching a lot of movies from like the 30s and 40s. And like whenever you have a kid, a lot of the time that like will bust into a scene, about half the time he's like, joking about like like what are you doing buster it's like i'm out shooting indians mm-hmm. he's got his little cowboy outfit um i'm not exactly sure what i'm saying with this but there's some kind of like inversion there or at least a motif yeah definitely i mean well they say that like he's they're in cub scouts and cub scouts is an american organization that somehow has been founded in korea and so like they're 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 kind of like she asked were you a cub scout and he obviously wasn't but he's lying in order to make her more ingratiated with him because reference is also a huge theme in this this film is the idea of of only trusting from people that you only trusting people that you that are referenced from people you already trust which in the in the madame makes a point to actually almost say that exactly uh when they hire the driver like she's like, well, at this point, I only trust people from like that are recommendations of people I trust, and so there's an idea of like recommendation carries a lot of weight. So <laughs> take that for what you will. But uh, Alex, I believe you had something you were gonna say. Um, yeah, you know, Jesse was saying something about this idea of inversion when it comes to this motif. And I just wanted to note how how much that shows, like, just this insane in-touchness with our cultural symbols, I will say, that um, Bong Joon-ho is. Uh, when we talk about misinterpreting South Korean culture and things like that, it makes sense, you know, in, in little ways for certain films. But... This film, I think it's one of the reasons why it's so so like well-renowned over here, is just the idea that he, if he did that intentionally, it means so much, at least to me, as someone who would appreciate something like that, is it's very intense as like an American, a Native American-born film, film goer. Um, to see this this trope of this, you know, this kid who's the problem child in the family because he is Indian in a way that is like he he is he is rebellious, right? He is wild, he is crazy, he has energy. The Park family is almost so robotic in their richness and their austereness. Um and so cool. Um and he is just a wild child and it is really boils down to this idea that the Park family has this idea of American eliteness or Western eliteness. Um, and then when they talk about the American Indian, like you were saying, Jeff, I think he brings something up about the American Indian being like integral to the American spirit. 
and there's like this weird pause that they have and it almost shows like well the kim family looks at the beauty of america is the bootstraps you know the young like the people who have had to like forge out a new new path in the wake of like this crazy dominance and the park family sees it is just the total opposite um so i think that inversion with the with the kid is really 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 cool yeah. um Definitely, and, the, and well, we also see that the, the daughter calls out the young boy in the very beginning of their her relationship. <laughs> he woo, she says yeah. he's fake, and I kind of took that as that this kid, while very young, I mean, I assume he's probably like six or seven, he has this already this awareness that being this type of pontificating genius is something that is attractive to his parents. He's really only doing things that he thinks will make him look good in his mother's eyes. So if what she's saying is true and he really is faking, he's really doing it just to kind of adhere to this ideal that his mother wants this this genius, perfect, enlightened, uh, very elevated family. And what she really has is just a daughter who's looking for male attraction a son who's lashing out and a distant husband but it so goes against everything she believes in and and any time her world is being uh, a mirror is being turned on her world and some light is being shined on it she immediately retracts she immediately becomes either defensive or scared or it's always a negative reaction in any way when something may start to pull back the veil on this image she's created for herself. And that's a very anxious place to live for a, for a family. And I think that's a big reason why we have such a distance between them. Nobody is really on the same page in this movie. And it was an anxious place for me to live in, too. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, described, I described to Jeff, I texted him after I watched it, and I was like, I described it as a two-hour-long heart attack. Yeah, I, the... The way you described this movie made me so happy because you were so <laughs> you were so shaken by it and that made me so happy because it's it's hard for me and I won't I'm not making any kind of overarching statement about the film industry uh I wouldn't be so bold but for me personally it's it's hard for a movie to elicit super strong emotional reactions i may laugh i may you know be entertained but when something make when a movie can make me feel extremely uncomfortable and disturbed and anxious that's when i know oh i'm in the director's clutches i am fully immersed and i'm letting the movie take me where it wants to take me that is such a satisfying place to be in with film as a film lover it's such a it's rare and it's 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 just so fun because you get those moments of the tension being relieved you almost realize that you were holding your breath the whole time kind of uh, you let out that breath and that those endorphins are just so enjoyable to have in a film i don't know it's 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 just a testament to how incredible of a director and and as a side note um kang ho sung is also in this film he plays the the lower class father he's the main character of the host which we mm. just spoke on so 
this is Bong Joon Ho really utilizing yeah. the the acting chops of uh, Kang Ho Song. The continual lower class father. Yes, I was. I will say, um, with every relief, it seems though in this film, every relief of tension, it, it seems to notch almost like a, a new. It seems to twist just a little more, right? Yeah, like right. It, yeah. it, it's like you get this little respite intention, and then it just twists, it, like it creates an even more of like a kind of a. I don't know. It's hard to really explain because the fear that you feel, Jesse, when you're they're drinking, right, and they're looking out on, and they're like, "Oh, the rain falling on the the backyard." It's like you see how they appreciate the beauty of this house more than the people who own it, and in that moment, you feel good for them. But then, when then they everything go crazy. starts, yeah. When everything starts getting murderous, <laughs> once they find that basement, yeah, man. Yeah, when, once once things start to get homicidal, I did not know where the movie was going when they found the fucking basement. <laughs> I was like, is this movie. about to be some kind of like weirdo torture porn? Or these a are these like twist? It's a, it's an actual <laughs> twist in the movie where you're like, holy fuck, okay, because you're everything's calm, the rain, and then the the housekeeper comes and it's like, wait. Why is she so eager to be back? Like, she knows she's fired. She should just mm-hmm. accept that. And the fact that she doesn't waste any time uh, trying to hide what's going on, or she just beelines it to the the, par, uh, the pantry, opens the little secret door, and finds her husband in there. It's such a... And you're like, it's so jarring. And what you were speaking to what you were saying, Alex, is I kind of the way I saw it is it sets a new plateau each time you get that respite. It's like it builds, you get the relief, but now you're at another plateau of um, ab- like ability and understanding. You're like, okay, well now now we're here. So could it get any worse? And then, the <laughs> and then it does, and then it does, and then it does, and it and then eventually it it goes off the rails in the best way possible, in in a non-negative way. It goes off the rails in exactly the way that a movie should go off the rails. Is it it becomes this just storm of of yeah of just like homicidal and like these people are willing to kill to preserve their positions mm-hmm. and well, i mean it's, it's the weight of four people on the final step of a staircase right trying to eavesdrop and it's just too much for it to handle and so but, they slip and everything just blows up from there yeah, it becomes this, it's almost like a weird, I mean, a lot of this movie is based upon ideas of class, right? And class commentary. And the whole, like, last act is this conflagration of these different class elements and appreciations and irritations coming to a head. You have the the man in the basement, the husband of the ha- of the previous housekeeper, who is like literally living in this like squalid little hellhole where he has to steal food, but he's so appreciative of the master. You know, he sends him these little like telegrams or, or Morse code signals via the lights to thank him every night. And like, I don't mm-hmm. know, like write him poems or whatever he was doing. <clears throat> and even when he dies at the end, he says like, he looks at Mr. Park and he says, respect, you know, mm-hmm. which is completely antithetical to our our main care our main father character who 
he learns that Mr. Park looks down on him because of his odor. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a huge thing. And that's that's what sets him off to kill Mr. Park. But it's like he has that odor because he's like literally living in shit. That whole scene, that whole sequence, when they finally escape that that tense scenario we were just describing and go back and the rainstorm is like literally pulling the shit out of the sewers and like their their house is flooded with sewage like the toilet is flying up like fluid is flying up out of it um so you have you have this element of respect in this murderous last scene from mm-hmm. the underclass of appreciating the master and also just the boiling over of class tension in like like fuck you for for saying i smell like fuck everything about you exactly well, yeah, yeah. But, but you also it's like this interesting dynamic because you're supposed to believe that that you cannot go any lower than the than the kim family is at at the current point it's that they are at the lowest someone can be and then you realize you're you're shown like no there is a lower and to, to speak on what you're saying it's yeah he is appreciative but it's almost like stockholm syndrome it's almost like this uh this idea that he has lived in this situation for so long that he has no other recourse to explain it than to say well this is somebody being kind to me when really there is no kindness because if park were to find out that he was there he'd kick him out on the street and probably have him arrested it's a very interesting type of respect. It's not just genuine love for the family. And I just want to touch on one of the more, not just horrifying scenes in the movie. And I'm just, I just love that this was thrown in there as almost an afterthought, but it is truly terrifying when they show, when the young boy is describing seeing the, uh, the man in the basement the first time they show that, like that, that wide shot of the the entrance to the parlor and he's like on just the like the middle of the flight of the stairs and you can only see his like top of his head and his face and he's got just this like glowing eyed wicked grin on his face i mean that was honestly a quite a terrifying scene just in general like just the way it's the portrait him the portrait what do you mean that the child keeps drawing I think but... so. I think so. Oh, I, think I didn't think about I, that. I think that that is. I definitely picked that up too. Is I think that that's supposed to be him because it's like kind of there's like this darkness that he always draws, like the darkness in the corner. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the silhouette of the darkness that he's in. That it, he came out of that doorway. That doorway is incredibly shot. Oh, whenever yeah. they go in and out of the the cellar. Well, yeah. Everything with stairs in the movie. Well, oh, yeah. well, I mean, the yeah. movie utilizes something that I think is really, really interesting. Is it, it utilizes wide shots indoors, which you don't see done that often because of the kind of the tendency for wide shots to fisheye indoors and get a little distortion in the corners. Yeah, so, well, he he built that house like that house is a set, and so is the so is the lower class house. He wanted to have complete control over. Like oh, uh, the, the spatial elements. I, didn't know that. I did not know that. Oh, that makes perfect sense because yeah. the yeah. house is very 
fitting for those wide shots that you're talking about. Yeah, Jeff. yeah. Exactly. They, they said he showed the designs to like an architect, and the architect was like laughing. He's like, nobody would ever design a house like this. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps because it, it helps you get tight shots in the Kim's house. It, you get very a lot of tight shots, a lot of close-ups, uh, a lot of um, different aspect ratios. Like you get a lot of cutoff. So like it, it's almost like it can't can't fit the whole family in the shot because the whole family can't fit in the house. Yeah, there's a YouTube there's a YouTube series I really like. This guy stopped doing it a while ago, but I recommend it to anyone interested in cinema. It's called Every Frame a Painting, and um, oh, I've heard of this. I believe this like this is an exemplary version of that where it's like every shot in this movie means something by its framing by its composition by the blocking where the characters are like there's like like the the main the main little the main kid is so fond of saying it's so metaphorical but it is <laughs> you know is. like yeah, you yeah. can you can analyze every shot in this movie and pull a lot out of it it is so carefully constructed and i can't wait to watch it again and, and be able to analyze it because my analytical mind was completely shattered while watching this. I was just trying to get through it. So a I, lot of it is like based on memory. It was a Herculean task. I to I, I mean I to watch this movie once and then try to actually analyze it. I mean I I tip my hat to you, sir, because I yeah, this is what, doing this my was, best. This was my third time watching this movie, and I was seeing so much. So much detail that I had not seen prior in even two previous viewings of it. So many little things. Now, I, I, it was obviously because I was intentionally analyzing the movie as opposed to just watching it for entertainment's sake. But there is definitely something to say about like every frame. And I think, and I mean, I may be going out on a limb here, but I really think that the reason that a lot of people say that's so metaphorical over and over, especially uh, Kiwoo's character is uh i think it's a little tongue-in-cheek of bong joon ho being like yes this movie is extremely metaphorical uh yeah i get it i understand what i'm doing here i'm gonna poke fun at myself for a second there is there's there's a mm -hmm. there's a very very darkly comedic element once you analyze it and he says that himself he calls it a tragic comedy yeah, which so, i oh, mean i was not laughing uh but it it does become kind of a comedy of errors around the second half once once like the basement opens up and shit just starts going sideways for everybody. Yeah, there's a definite that's the the the, the arrival of the housekeeper and the opening of the basement is such a clear act one, act two divider. It's, it's the turn. Yeah, it's it's so clearly like okay. Here's one movie. It's almost like the. It's almost as clear as the turn in Mandy, but not mm. quite as strong. Not quite. Whereas in Mandy was like almost two different movies prior to the turn and after, but it's still. It's almost like a box that's been that's filling slowly with water, and eventually like the latch is opened and you just can't control the flow, which water plays a huge role in this movie also like there's a lot of and and in hard rain <laughs> which which you both enjoyed 
which Sorry. will have non sequitur listening. Non sequitur for the audience. Episode. Do not watch Hard Rain. We will yeah. have a whole episode for Hard Rain. No, in we a won't. Different day. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. Don't, don't watch Hard Rain. It's trash. Hey, got Christian Slater in it. What more do you want? Oh, it has Morgan Freeman in it. All right, back on topic. Freeman. Jesus. So oh. I was going to say, when you're outside of their house, actually, I actually feel much more claustrophobic outside of the park house. When they're in the streets, there's lots of like high embankments and walls, you know, when he's walking up and, and whatnot. It almost has like a uh, a layout of like those Italian like coastal towns that are like very small roads. Buildings are very high, but next Alta, to each other. Yeah, places. exactly. But then when you're in the park house, is it just me or do I feel like we're in a completely different city? With it's like Alex, Alex, my friend, that's because it's so metaphorical. Yeah, I know. It's this <laughs> yeah, such a, a metaphor. Of, there's a lot of openness. <laughs> the fact that they have this huge yard, the fact that they have this, they have so much, they have such a large footprint in this town that's very squished together. That's another, you know, the ability to have that much land to yourself is just another aspect of, of greed and, and ownership. So there is definitely a little allegory. It's, yeah, I mean, the, the freedom that comes from wealth is visually represented by openness, as opposed mm-hmm. to the, the squalid, closed-in conditions of, of being poor. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because I feel like talking about the host was almost easier because it was such a, a simple premise and an easy breakdown, whereas I felt like this this has been almost a little more difficult. Not because the themes are just too out there or too otherworldly, but it's all said so beautifully that it's almost like to reiterate it does it a disservice. So it's more just like talking about the things that we enjoy the most about it seems to come off a little easier because it it's so well done. It's such a masterpiece of filmmaking, dialogue, screenplay, acting, every single section of this movie it might be perfect it, it have to, i have to see Kub- it again it, it definitely gets on kubrick like almost you know levels of uh, of intention speaking like... of small details there's a there's a little shot in the movie where you can see a, a collection of hitchcock on one of the shelves which is very out of place yeah there's a lot of um I was reading about it. Yeah, I was reading about it, and there's a lot of actual nods to in the movie. I'd have to. I mean, Hitchcock is just boom. That's that's really in your face. But like, there's like just like the way the art is. I believe is one of them. uh, Architecture style of the outside of the house. It's just the whole movie is this kind of love letter. I hate using that phrase so much uh, <laughs> hackneyed uh, film critic yeah, now i i know i i just hate using love letters like this but it's really <laughs> just a testament to how much not just storytelling is important to bong joon but filmmaking is i mean while the dialogue and screenplay is is absolutely essential you could almost this movie could almost be a silent film if that makes sense is <laughs> you could it, it's so much implied storytelling with shot composition and with the way that it's told that if there was no dialogue, I feel like the sameness 
almost the same message you get across. Because it's just that well shot. It's that well in every single part of the movie has intention. And that is something that's missing, I feel, in a lot of movies. Yeah, the element of craft is, is superb here. I had a professor who, and it's one of the most valuable things anyone's ever said to me, is that you don't have to like something, but what you should be able to do is recognize how it's well done. It's very true. Yeah, it's, it's a super important thing. I mean, now, it helps because we all like this movie a lot as well, but yeah, it's it's a movie that can be, I think, feel like it can be appreciated by anyone. And, and to kind of touch back on what we are saying before, the fact that it won Oscar for Best Picture. That's I mean, insane. Let's just take a minute to realize like how important that is to just to Bong Joon, to the style of filmmaking. It's almost like a glimmer of light in, I mean, I won't. I mean, I guess people who listen to this will realize eventually that I am not a fan of the current superhero-dominated, uh, and I am not a special snowflake because I don't like it, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of this current Marvel-dominated world of cinema, uh, this this popcorn, candy-coated, sugar rush of uh, filmmaking that seems to be so prevalent right now with Star Wars Marvel. And I think it's almost oh, yes. like a, a glimmer of light, this style. Now, I know that there's tons of incredible films that are made that just don't get the same kind of don't get the same kind of media attention. But the fact that this movie won Best Picture, to me, is such an important representation of not only Korean movies, just of like high, high level mentally stimulating films. That's a that's a really good point, Jeff. Because I mean, my counterpoint, and you know that I generally do like the Marvel movies, um, but like, there are, there are always good movies coming out, you know, um, and but but they don't generally have the level of attention drawn to them at all that this did, and to win an Oscar, I mean, I don't care about the Oscars at all, but but like. But there's 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 resonance to that. There's there's something to that for sure. Yeah, there's definitely none of us here are Oscar fans or Academy fans. But winning an Oscar puts your movie in a in in the eyes of a of a wider audience because a lot of people do like the Oscars and they do take the Oscars say seriously. So it does have an impact on how movies get made. People yes. try to make movies that are like Oscar movies. And yeah, so that's why you have nine thousand movies trying to be a nineties Tom Hanks movie. Well, that's why a lot of like movies I think give up on it because Oscar winning movies are now a type of art that I don't think a lot of people want to digest. And at least like the older style Oscar winning movies. Now the Academy never has been great, but I just feel like they're they're typically very slow on the uptake culturally. Yeah, and also just inherently mm-hmm. like just I mean not to get like politically correct about it, but they they tend to be inherently very white dominated. And the fact that I mean all the Oscar roles don't have like a hierarchy, but I think we can all agree that best picture is like it's the it's the last Oscar they give of the night. It is essentially like 
the top spot in the Oscars. Oh, no doubt. And so, when it doesn't go so. to when it doesn't go to a very you know Western like um, born when it's not a Western born film or production, um, and it, and it wins that award. It raises your eyebrows, right? It has to, regardless of how you feel about the award ceremony, because you're like, something is going on with the film. I actually have one thing to say, though, but I don't know if you guys will agree with me. I thought that the ending was actually the weakest part of the movie. The very end. Like, specifically? The idea of him returning to the house. Oh, and then it kind of being like... Uh, a mem- like a like kind of a fantasy. Is that a fantasy? It is. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, it's a, it's a fantasy. So he by the director's own admission. Yeah, it's yeah. him okay. trying to. It is the first moment in the movie where a character is th- is speaking in a way that is talking about earning something mm-hmm. instead of taking it. He has now realized that taking something only leads to disaster and literally death in this case so he's like no i'm not gonna rescue my father by knocking on the door and begging to come in in the the night in the rain i'm gonna Mm -hmm. rescue him by becoming a real estate agent and making enough money to where i can you know show the house or buy, buy the house myself and he is come to grips with the fact that you have to earn redemption it's a really interesting choice because the movie could have ended with that, but instead it chooses to go back to him sitting on this grubby couch, not having fulfilled that yet. Which I, I can't remember the context. I was reading some stuff, but it but the inference seemed to be that like that's sort of a, a darker take on it and a more cynical take in that he probably won't fulfill that oh, is yeah. what it's signposting. Well yeah, well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but well, that was what I read. Um and there was also to tie into the stone. This mm-hmm. ties into the stone, which is a whole mm-hmm. other thing. Do you want to say something before we get to that though, Jeff? Well, yeah, I mean I just think that it's implied to me that the father starves to death in the uh, basement. That's mm. kind of the take I got from it, is like, he wants to go do this, but in the time it would take him to do that, the father just doesn't have the food to last. And so he is going to starve to death. But yes, definitely the stone is important, and and we can touch on you know the fact that it's um, it's a foundation stone. So, it's so see, you did research. Yes. <laughs> so I, I had a conversation with my friend last night about this, where I was talking about the stone and divorced from divorced from like, okay, this is something in Korean culture probably that I don't understand, but I was just looking at it from the context of the movie. So he's given this stone at the same time as he's given the task, right? His friend gives him the stone and then gives him the task of tutoring the girl. And the stone comes back when the house floods, and they end up in the uh, gymnasium sort of shelter. And he says something to the effect of, like, this stone won't leave me. Like, I can't can't get away from it or something. So to me, before I did research, it seemed like the stone was emblematic of some kind of curse or something, where it's like, it's the harbinger of misfortune. 
And the very end, you have the shot where he places the stone back in the water. And it seemed to be like, I don't know, letting go of the curse. This this turns out to maybe not be completely accurate, but um, I'll let Jeff describe what this what this means, well, what this the, actually means. Well, though it's a it's a foundation stone, so it's in in Korean culture like geology is important, and so it's it's a stone that is collected, many of them. So and they they make reference to this that the the scholar the, stone. Yeah, the scholar stone. Thank you. The university student makes reference to the fact that his father. Whereas grandfather, I believe, collects these stones, and he has them all over this house. So I, I, that's where I kind of deviate from the curse idea, which I originally was thinking was like, oh, this is a MacGuffin that's going to be like the, the centerpiece of their misfortune. But really, it's it's not. It's actually almost, it's just, I, I mean, as the sun says, it's so metaphorical. It's, it's a metaphor for the family being the foundation Uh. Well, more like the father being the foundation of the family, which is the traditional sense, but it's this idea of of that you need to build off of a solid foundation, off of something that that has been formed slowly over time. In this case, thousands of years, but many years of work and 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 pressure and understanding, then to achieve something like this, which is what the Kim family doesn't do. They just try to find the easy way out. And well, so that's what that's kind of where I got from it. Go ahead. Well, according to the IMDb, and I'm just going to read this because it's super interesting. The scholar stone is meant to represent both the hope for for upward social mobility in a vein similar to the American dream and the burden of carrying such hopes to the point that it literally bashes in Kiwu's skull after it gives away his location, allowing the housekeeper's husband to attack him. Before the sequence at the party, the stone also floats while in the sewage water for Kiwu to find, suggesting for that scene that it's fake and hollow and cannot be used to dream of a better life, foreshadowing that it will be Kiwu's and the family's downfall. You know, so. that, that's really interesting. I never thought about the fact that it was floating, which would make it fake. That's a really ah. great point. I am upset at the person who wrote that, the first part of that comment, because it's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, stole <laughs> Alex's thunder. Whoever you gotta, you gotta, you gotta butt in more, Alex. What's Jeff and I will just talk part? over each other endlessly. <laughs> What's the name of this uh, IMDb user so I can hunt them down? <laughs> he, uh, the stone, I think, is like... Everyone in the family is like wooed by it, except for the mother, right? She's like, some food would have been nice um, when they first get it. But they, it's like this symbolic, like, thing that they hold on to, like, you know, this, this is it. This is the, this is like the dream that's going to take us up. And it is representative, in my opinion, of the social mobility. And at the end, when he places it in the river, is when, you see him realize, like, he, he gives it up, right? He gives it back to to nature, or he puts it under the stream of water. And he kind of realizes that, like you said, Jeff, you can't just take it. You know, you can't pin all of your hopes and dreams to a literal geological formation that sits on a fancy pedestal. Um, but I think that what you said about 
when he's in the or excuse me when the father's in the gymnasium and he said the best kind of plan is no plan at all it's this idea that that stone was formed with no plan the way that it was formed in nature just through millions of years of pressure and time and all of that it's like there's no plan in making it it just naturally occurred that way right so there is this like tone at the end of the movie that is almost depressing where it's like do you just let the stream wash over you whether it's a beautiful clear stream of richness and opulence and wealth or literal sewage water like do, do you do you not try and change your course or is the is the movie like is the tale like yeah try to try to ascend but be careful because if you fly like too close to the sun or if you get homicidal like that's where things start to fall apart because i think that the movie actually starts to break down at a totally different part and i think it's when the father gives park the business card yeah and he's in the vehicle and he asks him if he loves his wife and there's a strange moment of like intersection where he's speaking to him about like this very personal thing and almost seems like he oversteps and then he swerves he almost hits a car and from that point on i think is when everything kind of like really starts to like that's when the twist really so you, you know, said sorry you said you said that's when it breaks down can you define what you mean by that the i i would say the kosherness or the etiquette of the ruse is when that that's when it starts to break down okay that's i didn't when, know what you meant i didn't know if you meant like fall apart or like the movie falling apart or something oh no 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 excuse okay. me I, I meant like their their scheme their little yeah. plan you know mm. the whole of mice and men type thing like best laid plans all that jazz yeah well because um, like his he he's driving is so perfect up to that point but then he swerves because he's not paying attention that's kind of the theme is like they got too comfortable they they thought they underestimated the fam the rich family the park family they thought that park family could be so easily duped and they were in the beginning but it turns out that you it doesn't matter how much you dupe somebody you're not gonna take them over just like a parasite a parasite will never become the host it will feed off the host but it will eventually be lanced or, or taken off or killed or die in its own way it can never be the host it's like they never realized too until that point that you know they go into the basement that you weren't the that you weren't the first people to think of this you know like you weren't the first parasite that has come along yeah. stuck on the underbelly of of the rich yeah i was just gonna make a sort of comedy note like if you if you think about it though like when they're in the house and there's this massive rainstorm it's like of course the family might come back. There's a there's a rainstorm that's like flooding the city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just just from like like zoom out and think with like with logic for a second and it's like wow that's that was a very very real almost probability <laughs> that oh, yeah, they, they would were, come back. Yeah, well they just uh they were too self-consumed their own 
kind of indulgence of the Park family's house that they kind of just lost themselves. It's a big, I think that moment's very, that scene is very uh, metaphorical as to kind of them losing themselves and, and taking on a role that isn't theirs to begin with. The, the, the theme I wanted to touch on that we haven't quite touched on is the idea of marital love. And mm. that's something that's very prominent in the movie where you have the Parks who are very distant from each other and mm. and and very uh, almost have a superficial marriage and have but in almost identically the kims don't have a great marriage at either the mother is very uh critical of the father she talks down to him she kind of insults him and stuff like that so like she doesn't think very highly of him either but the housekeeper and her husband are extremely close and very much in love with each other and very much care about one each uh, one another deeply and i don't know where i'm quite going with this but i just feel like it was a theme that was pretty pretty obvious and i just wanted to make sure it was brought up that that money can't buy love and it can't make love stronger or weaker you have to just have it initially then whether you're a parasite or not it still remains yeah i mean the fact that she uses her own salary by her account to pay for the food that she gives to her husband shows that like she could well, easily uh, take that the food. They, they also say they also say like Wow, she almost eats enough for two people. So, hmm. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, they, they, he says that in the beginning. He's like, the only downside of her is that she eats I... enough for two people. Okay. <laughs> but that doesn't, that can't take away from the fact like that she pays for it. She could easily pay for the food with her salary and then still stick it in their fridge, uh, et cetera, you know, like, in, and then they mm -hmm. think that's all there. I mean, you know, I'm making a stretch. I will here. say, Maybe. I will say, though, it's not like he would ever come home and open the fridge and be like, oh, where's all my, you know, rum cake? Like, he, he is the type of person that, like, she prepares all the food. So maybe he's just making one of his snide ass comments when he sees her with, like, a plate of food, right? And he's like, oh, entirely possible. Because he is, know. he is like that. Yeah, it could be and a bit of misdirection. I will say, when he gets the business card in the car, and he says, oh, you can tell they're, like, you know, legit because of how, how cool and pro their card looks, that part made me laugh just a little bit. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I mean, you know because you're Japanese, but, like, in Japanese <laughs> culture and in many Asian cultures, like, the way your business card looks and feels oh, says everything yeah. <laughs> about your business. I was like, oh, we're having a little uh, American Psycho moment here. Yeah, oh, it's very, in the back like, of the car. like... Yeah, that's, uh... Yes! Oh, man, that's a great representation. Uh, the Mr. Park has a little Christian Bale American Psycho, like, vibes to him. Oh, I feel like everyone in this day and age, even in real society, like, sometimes when, you know, not to get <laughs> away from the movie, but, like, this idea of, like... You know, being rich and being an entrepreneur and being like a boss, like there's something that is attractive about that that lifestyle to two people, which is undeniable. And it would make perfect sense that Park picks up on this when in his Western 
inflection of what he thinks affluence is, right? Like, it would make perfect sense that he takes up this almost cold and, like, very calculated look about him. Um, definitely. Yeah, he definitely, and the, the deep, booming voice that he has. I mean, when he first when he first enters the movie and yeah, like, speaks yeah. his first line, his voice is very, uh, like, jarring. He has this, like, deep, commanding tone. He's very attractive, and, like, you know, the whole family is very attractive. Sam... Like they, it's a very oh, yeah. good-looking family, but it's 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 plastic, obviously. You know, it's, it's fake. It's a, it's a lot of. I mean, that's that goes without saying. That's not a pretty. That's not a deep insight or anything. But it's definitely this idea that the family is putting on a particular face for other people, and then like I really like the scenes in the car because he's like laying in the back seat, like no seatbelt. Like, he has full trust in uh, Sir Kim's ability to drive, where he's, like, mm-hmm. not even wearing a seatbelt. He's just so, like, relaxed. And that's a, I think that's a kind of a testament of, like, your point to when, like, he almost hits the truck. Because then at the end of that scene, he goes, eyes on the road. So it's like, he's he's second-guessing him at that point, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I mean... The movie is um it I don't wanna say like it it treats the madame as simple and dumb, but she very much is a character that when you compare her to Mr. Park, he just seems to be like he like knows. He's like, Okay, I know my wife doesn't really get it. He's like, I get the real world. Yes, you know definitely. we're two men in this car now, like speaking to each other about certain things and it's weird to me how um Kim, the father of the kim family um how he uh he like has these weird little rendezvous with both spouses right yeah. of secrecy like don't tell my husband that i brought in someone with tb i will be hanged and quartered again showing just the severeness and like dominance that this man has over his household well, also the severeness um, of being caught something that is yeah. very strong with. oh my god yeah oh, I think that, that, that yeah definitely that is like the biggest probably caught in general throughout the whole movie is treated like like death itself oh yeah regardless of the implication regardless of the morality of what you were doing you know I think that's part of why I found the movie so uncomfortable I like I don't I don't know what it is but when there's any like a scene in any good movie where someone could be caught and there are like ramifications of that like you're somewhere you shouldn't supposed to be or you're not supposed to be i somehow get very nervous and i don't know what it is but this whole movie was that like you said so i mean the idea that at the beginning of this film this will speak to the auteur thing you know that we're bringing up with bong joon ho right now in a connected authorship of film um there's something that he likes to play with with like this fall from grace like he he likes to introduce a character that has already fallen you know um this idea that the archer used to be so good but just had this slight little tweak to her that you know wasn't good enough and then whatever implications you want to make between the idea of this the wife having a medal in this movie of not an Olympic medal, I don't think, but like she has a medal of some sort for shot put, 
to see where she is now is just like you can make up any type of narrative or story you want that she ends up in this kind of squalid state and why it's in the films i just there's something to me that sticks out about it like i i don't know what you guys have to say on that if you have if anything well, there's definitely a connection there between the two films of the idea of the athlete the, the, the star athlete, and I believe she has a silver medal. It's definitely not an Olympic medal, but it's a silver medal. Of um, some sort, of yeah. Some it's sort. like in a frame. Yeah, and it sh- it kind of... It's a, it's a testament to almost, uh, like, just her current life situation. Like, she got somewhere, but she didn't quite succeed. She didn't quite get the goal. And I think that that's very representative of her as a character. She, the mother is one of the more interesting characters. She has the least amount of spoken lines in the movie, um, but very she, powerful character. She has a very strong role in the family, where she seems to be the one, the least emotional one. She's very oh, yeah. pragmatic. She's very uh, logical. For her, it's it's about just like what what can they do? What's the next step? Okay, now what's the next step? She never really has a desire to fool the family like she's perfectly okay kind of like doing the pizza box thing and kind of just scraping by now she's definitely warm to the idea of taking advantage of these people but she doesn't initially make it her her goal something that becomes kind of secondary to her actual role and because she's the last one to be family to arguably the most important role in the family I mean, mm-hmm. the, the previous housekeeper was like the linchpin of the family. She made the meals, she kept an eye on everyone, she did all the laundry and the housework, like everything that kept the house operating was her. And this woman can't even keep her own house operating. So yeah. it's this idea of like the wrong person for the job. The father learns how to learns how to operate a Mercedes Benz, like in a in by like taking test rides and stuff in the shop and. Mm-hmm. It's whereas in the kids already were talented, like the the, the daughter, uh, the sister of the Kim family, she was already really great at art and photoshopping, digital art. And the son was already smart and a good English tutor. So it's this it's almost like a generational aspect going on in the movie as well between the children of the two families, whereas in their products of their environment the two kids are innocents the two younger kids of the park family are innocents in this mm-hmm. they're not they're not villains of the story the, the daughter is kind of withdrawn and just kind of looking for love in in boys because she's yeah, not it's like getting, a very sexual exploration yeah she's not getting that kind of talk and 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 insight from her parents because they have no fucking clue how to actually be parents or any interaction at all, really. Exactly. So she is like just so desperate for connection with another human being, and the brother is showing just like telltale signs of neglect and uh, ADHD and all that kind of stuff, like not the inability, but they don't. That would be showing a negative aspect of him. So instead, they call him a pontificating genius and a and, a, <laughs> and an art scholar, when really he's just a kid with a attention problem. But nothing can be negative in their life. So it always has to be monitored and controlled and glossed over. Whereas in uh, the, the Kim's family, the, the children, now like I did say earlier, the daughter is very much, I feel, the center point of 
she's also like a decent artist and for, i something i was i noticed I, I i i forgot i can't believe i forgot was how quickly her demeanor changes between her mm-hmm. real self and kiwu's character, oh she is a hardcore chameleon oh yeah kiwu's character is very much the same whether he's at the parks or his house he's he's very you know he's outgoing he's polite it's easy to talk to she is very kind of like cigarette hanging out of the mouth kind of crass kind of coarse but mm-hmm. when she's at the park family her, it's her whole chameleon is a perfect way to say it jesse her whole face changes she's everything super commanding her everything presence about is super exactly commanding. it's very much like no this that like he takes a very subservient role when he's talking to the madame. She's telling him how it is, and he's nodding along. Oh, saying, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, totally. That's how it's going to be. Yes, totally. No, ma'am. And she, like, takes money out of the envelope and throws it away, which I wanted to touch on. It's, like, the fact that she took, like, the equivalent of, like, a hundred bucks out of his payment envelope and then gave it to him and then told him he got a bonus, when really that mm-hmm. money is so unbelievably just negligible to them as far as like she's not doing it to save money she's doing it because she thinks he's worthless or worth less and i thought she gave him more no she gave him less she she counts out the money and then she puts it in the envelope and then she takes like a few bills out and throws them on the table oh i don't know i don't know what to make of that and so it's like it's just it's just the fact that she's just taking money away from him just because not because she wants to save it or anything but the daughter is very much the opposite she tells the mother how much it's going to cost yeah <laughs> she says this is how much my rate is this is how many lessons i'm going to do you can't be in the room while we're doing it uh you know like it's it's she may, she's very commanding in her whole demeanor she has this like soft delivery and then when she pretends to be the receptionist of the of the the cleaning company she takes on this whole other role of like this tone of voice and they even her parents even comment on it as like she was born to be a con artist mm-hmm. and it's just this it's such an interesting idea when the parents are proud of their their child being a villain yeah they, they that's that's an interesting point that they're just like yeah whatever let's do it there's no there's no moral question about it well because but, um, as the people below, as the Kim family, just to wrap it up, as the Kim family sees is seen as nothing to the Park family, it is the same thing to the the vice versa. The Kim family sees nothing of the Park family. Yeah, it's just some. It's a host to be a parasite off of. It's it's there's there's nothing. They're not. They're 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 beyond human. In both ways. And hence to kind of go back to Alex's point is that there's no real hero in this story. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a sample. It's a character study. I do but, really find the Park family pretty vile at some points. Yeah, they're they're reprehensible. But I mean, the Kim family at the same time. I mean, they are true blue con artists. They don't want to work. Well, okay, let's not. I'm not going to put that connotation on them because I don't know the social. Hashtag cancel Jeff Casino. I know, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Exactly. I'm not going to put that connotation on people. them because they're. I don't know the socioeconomic situation of Korea to dictate whether it's easy for people to climb out of impoverished situations. Send your angry comments at Jeff Casino. Uh, <laughs> please don't. I'm. Uh, it's just. 
yeah, I, that's obviously not what hey, I mean. I'm, ba- I, I'm people, backpedaling people, over here, people. People, we've been talking for like five hours. Give All us right. a break. All right. Well, I think that's definitely uh, unless somebody else has anything. I mean, we could talk about the end of the movie with like the murders at the birthday party, kind of like. I think we covered that. Yeah, well. but I mean, you know, it's it's actually fairly straightforward of a scene. Mm-hmm. And kind of just puts a nice neat bow on this. That's like, when the the, chaos. the beans really get spilled, right? Yeah, exactly. To evoke another great movie in the lighthouse. But yeah, I mean, that's really when you know the keys fall out of her pocket, and that's when like you see in Park's head, he's like, "Wait a minute, why would you have the driver's keys?" You know, like what's going on here? And when he smells the smell. Man, he has like a physical reaction to it yep. and like cannot contain himself. But I wanted to just speak to Jesse's experience and the fact that um, he mentioned this, you know, that it was his first time and this idea of like anxiety and tension and the, the heart attack. So it's very similar to when to tie it back into Hitchcock, when I watched Psycho for the first time, you know, the scary moments in that movie are not. It's not the famous scene. It's not the shower. It's not the knife. For me, the whole beginning of that film, um, you know, when she she finds the money, she's driving away, and she's, like, getting away with something. You don't know what she's getting away with, but you know that you don't want her to get caught. There's, like, a police officer that's, like, trailing her, and you just don't want that interaction to happen. That is the same exact thing that I feel when I see this movie. It's like, Mm. I don't want characters to meet. I don't want them to clash or interact with each other in certain states because the reaction will just be catastrophic. And uh, when they're all drinking and getting drunk and... and Smashing bottles. (laughs) Yeah, everything just starts to trickle down when the housekeeper gets there. And then that phone call with a godforsaken food that she wants prepared that was when i was just like hey that looked delicious oh it did but i was like you know (laughs) i can't i can't i don't want any of these characters to to meet each other right now in this state because the the stakes of getting caught in this film supersede all of like everything else for me it's just what drives the movie no, it definitely does. Yeah. Getting caught and getting in trouble, it's it's so beyond that. It's not like getting in trouble. It, there's no, you never once think that like, oh, they're going to call the police. Yeah. And then that's you know, the, like... No, you believe right away like, oh, they're caught, they're dead. And you don't yeah. know why you think that. There's no inclination that these are violent yeah. people. But it's such a just reprehensible act that everyone is committing on each other that you're like, well, there's just no other recourse. And it's, what do you yeah, do it, when you see a cockroach scuttling away in the light, right? Yep, exactly. If uh, if anyone listening hasn't quite got it yet, we're all well chuffed with this movie. It's, yeah, it's we're, we're all much very stuff. much into it. It's highly recommended. Highly, highly it's, recommended. Uh, it's a bit of all right. Yeah. It's a bit of all right, Good indeed. Stuff. Definitely. Well. Very, very unique. And don't really, like I said, uh, it takes a lot for me to feel desperately uncomfortable during a film. Um, in a good way, you know. Sometimes I feel that way when I watch things that are terrible, but <laughs> that's a different sensation. Speaking of things that are terrible or things, do you want to do the, the yeah. episode on Hard Rain next? No, we're not doing. <laughs> I was going to say Hard Rain. we could do a little little recommendations. Let's do some or... recommendations and then close it out. Yeah. yeah. 
I think we've talked about a parasite. I mean, clearly we have. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Alex, uh, you got a recommendation for us. So I know you had a uh, two. You had one you're recommending, and then one that you wanted to stay away from. Did you ever find the stay away from? Title? Yeah, the one to stay away from is called "I Care a Lot." Um, oh, okay. Came out on Netflix recently. It has um, Peter Dinklage in it. Oh, that's um, a shame. It has some really good good actresses in it. I can't think of their names. Off yeah, the top it's got a. Uh, I had it open earlier when you were talking about it. Um, God damn it! But anyways, it's a it's a film that Rosamund really, Pike is really Rosamund good. Pike. Yeah, is in it, and um, Diane Weist or West. I I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I never have been able to pronounce her yeah. last name, but she is a great actress Beast. as well. Weist, yeah. got it. The film is just, it presents an idea, and then it says, isn't this idea cool? <laughs> like if it was the most original idea ever. And then it goes further to say, isn't it how cool we portray the idea? That is the essence of the film. Um, I don't want to, you know, color yeah. anyone's viewing of it, but that's how I feel about it. Um, so again. Avoid I care a lot. Yeah. Recommendation definitely is going to have to be a film that I just watched called Paris, Texas, and one that I think that would do for a very good episode. I um, thought you were going to say Parasite. I know, so for some reason oh. I didn't say I was like, damn, dude. It's a little movie you might not have heard of called Parasite. All right, Paris, Texas. All right, I'm putting that on the watch list. I won't say too much about that one, definitely. but All right. more of a drama. Okay. Gorgeous. Well, I'm yeah. Well, I mean, we know we know what Jeff's been up to. He's been watching Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't have any recommendations right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I say I say go watch Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa. Perfect, yes. lovely experience. If you haven't seen it, just just do it. And uh, there's a review on the website um, of it as well. If you want to check that out. That was... And uh, yeah, I think I think that's us done for the night, boys. Yeah, that's the end of the potty. And uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out through two incredible, well, maybe not one incredible and one interesting Bong Joon Joon Ho movies. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, lots to lots to extricate out of all that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we definitely all three of us look forward to whatever he makes. Yeah. Whatever that next. that is true. His next film, I am definitely going to be hopefully in the theaters for. Especially if it has Tom Hanks in it. <laughs> we all. All right. Oscar, Oscar movie for sure. Well, all right. Thank that, you, everybody. Thank we'll you. be back right, uh, at some point. Yep. <laughs> all right. And have a good one. Have a good night. Have a good one.